I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis 20, stand with me if you would, if you found your place. Continuing, continuing in our series of communication and how what we say uh, matters and it impacts the world around us and the people um, that we live with, that we love, uh, that we go to church with, that we go, to, go home with, and uh, that we work with. And so just another thought tonight that will hopefully be a help to us. So this is a story, the life of Abraham. And we'll read it and we'll give, I'll give, a, give some instruction or some just background here and then move into this thought tonight about lying. Verse 1, the Bible says, Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, okay, so we understand what he just said. This is Sarah, his wife. He said, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now, historians say Sarah would have been 89 years old at the time of this writing. So 89 or 90 years old, right in there. And this man thought she was so beautiful that he inquired of her to take her to be his wife. So um, I don't know what beauty products she was using, but they would sell for a lot of money, wouldn't they? And so this is obviously a very beautiful woman. In verse 3, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself. So Abraham lied, and she lied to me too. He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, and called all his servants, and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. And then Abimelech called Abraham, and said unto him, what hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed she... And you can almost hear the, the tonal quality of this statement. And yet, indeed, I mean, she is my sister. <laughs> I mean, technically, I didn't lie. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. She became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me at every place whither we shall come. Say of me, he is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep, oxen, men, servant, women, servants, and gave them unto Abraham, and restored him Sarah, his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother. <laughs> now you kind of catch the, the sarcasm here, right? You know, so that guy over there, your, your brother, right? Yeah, I gave him a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other and the Bible says, thus was she reproved. So it was his way of, of rebuking her as well, in a more genteel way. 
And so Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for tonight, and Lord, for this week. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts tonight to help us with an area that many of us may struggle with. And I pray that you'd bring to light examples in our own hearts and lives, help us to find application and the help we need to become better people and just to be more thoughtful about the words we speak tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Abraham was a great man, and I obviously can't be argued from Scripture. That is clear in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And he appears first in the early chapters of the Bible. And Abraham did what a what, uh, few other people in the Old Testament were told did. Abraham forged a unique and a lasting relationship with God. In fact, it was the prophet Isaiah who years later would say that he was the friend of God. And Abraham had that unique distinction of claiming that title. But Abraham wasn't just God's friend. God made to Abraham promises that he never made to any other man. He promised to bless him and of his seed, starting with him, he would make of him a great nation. And he promised that through him, Jesus Christ would be born the Savior of the world and of all mankind. But Abraham wasn't just blessed. He didn't just have this incredible title of God's friend. And, and if you think about that, it's a whole sermon in and of itself. But what an amazing thing to be known by as God's friend. He didn't just have these incredible blessings of God on his life. Um, Abraham also was cursed because he was a sinner. And one of the sins, evidently from this text, that Abraham struggled with was lying. And this wasn't the first time we catch Abraham lying. In fact, if we were to back up to Genesis chapter 12, in the beginning part of that chapter is where we read about God's promises to him. I mean, this was like an incredible moment for him. And, and then God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to change your name. He says, I want you to get up and I want you to move and I want you to follow me and trust me. And Abraham does it and he moves. But the place to where he moves, immediately a famine comes in. And so Abraham, here he is, he's got this relationship with God, he's got this, this friendship with him, this trust, this blessing, he hears his voice, and yet Abraham looks to himself for answers, and instead of trusting God, he goes to Egypt, and he meets Pharaoh, and Pharaoh sees Sarah, and at this time she was about 65 years old, and Pharaoh does the same thing that Abimelech did in Genesis chapter 20 tonight. He says, I'm going to take her to be my wife, and God has to do the same thing he does with Abimelech, he has to intercede with Pharaoh on Abraham's behalf so that he can keep his wife. Sarah married a keeper there. It's an identical set of circumstances. Abraham's lies began to be repeated, and it became a struggle for him to tell the truth. When he thought he was threatened, well, then he lied to protect himself. His lies caused a lot of grief for him, no doubt for his wife, and it became a sin that was passed down for generations to come. His son Isaac would literally do this exact same thing with his wife Rebekah in Genesis chapter 26. His grandson Jacob would lie about everything. His great-grandsons would lie. They would lie to their father about killing Joseph and other things as well. And this became a problem, not just in Abraham's life, but in the, it was a generational sin that he passed down to his children and to his children's children. Lying's a problem. 
God says he hates it. But what is it? Well, at a foundational level, it means to communicate something untrue with the intent to deceive. To communicate something that's not true or maybe not entirely true with the intent to deceive or to mislead. Today I went home for lunch and Elizabeth left and took the girls to piano practice. And so I was with the boys and we were eating together at the table. And after lunch, my son said, Dad, can I have some candy? Sophia has some from a science project she was working on. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not that nice. <laughs> and he said, but mom said I could have some after lunch. So I said, well, that's between you and your mom. But I said, no. And he said, but dad, it was a command from her. <laughs> word, word for word. <laughs> Just, like, how dumb do you think I am? And, uh, and maybe how smart you are. It was a command from her. Like, I got to obey, you know. You know, lying, you pray for me with raising him, by the way. Lying is easy to catch kids doing. Um, but we get really good at it. And it's not like we ever stop. It's harder to catch ourselves doing it and other adults doing it, but it never ceases. The world is full of people who lie. You ever clicked an article online or tapped it on your phone and it has this, this heading and you read the heading and you think to yourself, well, that would be interesting to read or I should pay attention to that. And you tap it and then you read the article and it has nothing to do with the heading. You know that frustration? They call it clickbait. It's misleading. It's trying to get you to click. You've seen a photo of someone online who misrepresents themselves, perhaps with a selfie or another shot. The media, television, social media, politics, the list goes on and on. People lie. And like Abraham's lie tonight, there may be some truth to it. Abraham says to Abimelech, well, she is my sister. Like technically she is. But Abimelech says, no, 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 you lied to me. And Abraham's still covering his tracks here, still protecting himself. And, and, we, and we do that. And there may be some truth with it, to it. But the intent that Abraham had was to deceive, to protect himself, to mislead. And it's, it's what we struggle with. Robert Feldman in the University of Massachusetts, they did a signature study on the subject of lying. He went on to write a book based on the study. And he found that people meeting for the first time will lie to each other at a rate two or three times for every 10 minutes of conversation. <laughs> Can you believe that? He says, we, do, we, just, we just lie so quickly and so intuitively. We're so good at it that it's hard to detect. He said in his study, what is also surprising considering the number of lies that fly back and forth between individuals is how poorly skilled people seem to be at recognizing them. He said even polygraphs, or as they're commonly known lie detectors, really fail to live up to their name. That in itself is really kind of funny considering how often they are used in criminal investigations or security screenings, he said. He said, quote, people can only detect a lie about 50% of the time. It's chance. You may as well flip a coin. We lie, we lie all the time, and we're not even really good at deci deciphering lies in ourselves or in other people. But why do people lie? Why did Abraham lie? Well, we lie for different reasons. Elizabeth will lie to protect your feelings. She cares about people and how they feel, and she'll lie to make them feel better. I'm a lot more self-centered than she is, 
I might lie to make myself look better or to cover my tracks. Why do you lie? See, we all lie. Abraham lied. He's a friend of God. He still struggled with it. And we all have our reasons. But I would submit this tonight. At the root of the majority of our lies is a lack of trust in God. And that's the bottom line. We think our lies will work better than God's truth. So Abimelech says unto Abraham in verse 10, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? Why did you do this? And Abraham's response is this. Here's the reason. Because I thought. I was reasoning with myself. I was thinking this through. And as I surveyed the landscape and looked at the situation, the people involved here, I said to myself, surely the Lord God is not in this place. So since God's not here, I got to take matters into my own hands. And, and too often we live that way. He says, they will slay me for my wife's sake. He thought, well, my deceit works better than God's protection. Because they don't fear him. I need to assert myself and take control. And we enter into situations all the time where we forget that God is present. And God is real. But we shelve his sovereignty. And we think that we have to have all the answers. We think that our lives will keep us safe. We think they will make our lives better. That they will make other people like us more. That they will help us avoid conflict. Ultimately, though, we just don't trust God to protect, to preserve us, to bless us, and to keep our best interests in mind, even though he's promised that he would. And we don't trust him. And instead of finding help and freedom in our lives, we find burdens and trouble. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. See, truth brings freedom. Truth brings blessing, but truth can sometimes sting a little bit, and it can hurt up front, and we shy away from that. It's uncomfortable to us, and so instead we lie or we deceive or we misinform or we're, we don't say everything that we should sometimes, and maybe not in the moment, but truth will always play on our lives to be a blessing. Our lying and misrepresenting the truth does the exact opposite. It brings us a moment of freedom. So we lie. So we mislead. So Abraham in the moment lies. But what always happens with lying? Well, if truth brings freedom, lies bring bondage. If truth brings blessing, lies ultimately bring cursing. And so we have this moment of relief as we lie. But on the other side of it, we have to pay for that. We have to pay for our lives. So I want us to take a few moments and look at Abraham's lie and how we might fall into the same trap. And the first thought is simply this. Abraham, this is how it started, he told himself a lie. He told himself that to lie about Sarah was okay. And this was mentioned in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to read there. Don't turn there. I'm going to have you turn a few other places in just a moment. But in Genesis chapter 12, this other story that mirrors this almost exact thing that happened to his life, it says in verse 10, there was a famine in the land. Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said to Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. 
Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. So he says, say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. He's thinking about himself. And he's saying, well, I need to protect myself. And this is okay. Like, I'm going to justify this, and it is okay to lie in this situation because this reason, it's going to save my life. It's going to preserve my soul. But there are some things that are more important than our lives and our souls. And he lied to himself by rationalizing his lies and telling himself, because of the potentially high cost he would pay, it was okay to protect himself. And see, we lie to ourselves all the time, too. And we say things like this, maybe not overtly or in the mirror, but we live this way. Well, I'm not really that bad. We might joke about it. We don't really believe that. I'm not that bad. Well, I can quit this at any time. I can walk away. I'm not hurting anybody. Well, it's not my fault. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the victim here. It's everybody else's fault. Well, I don't have enough time. Well, I'm just not built like that. Well, that's not my spiritual strength. See, you're lying to yourself. And you're believing it. And the Holy Spirit of God is constantly at work in our lives, convicting us of sin. But what do we do? Well, the, the prophet said, the heart's deceitful above all things who can know it. So Jeremiah said. So what do we do? We deceive ourselves. The Bible says the truth's not in us. We lie to ourselves, and Abraham started with this. But then secondly, once he told himself a lie, then that lie was repeated to other people. Abraham lied to his wife. He lied to Pharaoh. He lied to Abimelech. And the problem with lying is that you're mimicking the behavior, not of Jesus, but of Satan. He said, that sounds really extreme. Like, here we have the friend of God. How could he be mimicking the behavior of Satan? Well, well the Bible teaches us this. One old preacher said, you're never more like Satan than when you lie. That Satan's language, his native language is lying. See, lying could be like this. It could be as simple as exaggerating a story to make yourself look better. It could be cheating. It could be lying about where you were or telling partial truths, or making something up about someone that's only partly true. And because of our sinful nature, we choose to speak this kind of language. And it's shocking how often we do it, even when we have nothing to gain from it. Here's the problem with lying. When you lie to yourself, and then you begin to lie to other people, you will always hurt them. Hurting yourself is a foregone conclusion. But lies hurt the people in your life and the people that you lie to. They believe the things you say. And because they believe the things you say, they suffer for it. Here was Abimelech. And after God told him he was about to wipe him out, God says, I'm going to kill you. You're a dead man. So Abimelech argues back with God. And verse 4 says, <clears throat> it says, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? You're going to kill me and all these people? And, and we didn't do anything wrong. Said he not unto me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in innocency of my hands, have I done this? So now Abimelech is upset. He goes hunting for Abraham. He is hot. He is upset. 
He calls him and he says these words, What hast thou done unto us? You violated me. You care nothing about anyone but yourself and your own skin. He says, Have I offended you? That thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. Your lies about cost me and a lot of innocent people their lives. See, when you tell lies, you hurt people. Look at John chapter 8 with me. If you would turn there in your Bibles, John chapter 8. I want to look at this text. And some of the words that Jesus shared, specifically about lying. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, we said that a moment ago. And then they answered him. Now, now this wasn't the disciples. These were the people in the crowd. These would be the people that weren't believers. Well, we be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How stayest thou, ye shall be made free? We're, we are descendants of the man we're, we're, we're reading from tonight in Genesis chapter 20. God made all these promises to him, and we're in that line. So we are free. And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, well, then you're free indeed. Your bloodline to Abraham is irrelevant. Your spiritual line to him makes all the difference. Verse 37, And I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Okay? He says, I've got a daddy, and you got one too. And they're not the same daddy. Verse 39, And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. But you do the deeds of your father. And now he's about to disclose to them who their father is. And then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said, If God were your father, you'd love me. For I proceeded forth, and it came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Verse 44, and here's the emphasis. This is the reason, because here's your father. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. And the father of it. And here were these men who were teaching people how to go to heaven in a way that bypassed the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said, you are leading these people astray. You're telling them a lie. I am the Messiah. No man comes to the Father but through me. And these people were saying, no, 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 no. You're nothing. Like, your father is Satan. And Jesus saying, no, 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 guys, the lies that you're telling people are directly from Satan, 
and they are misleading people and you're hurting people and literally sending them to hell. The lies that we say hurt people. It about hurt Abimelech in the Old Testament. Between that story and this one, there are a lot of other examples of people who lied. Every runs from Samson to David and you name it. And lies make everything worse. They don't bring freedom, and we think they will. They don't bring joy. They don't, they don't, they, they hurt and they bring bondage, and the Lord says this, and He makes it clear, and we are never more like Satan than when we lie, because He is the father of lies. He is the prince of darkness. He is the great deceiver. It is His lies that will contend condemn countless souls to eternal darkness. And instead of believing truth, they believe lies. Okay, here's the point. Here's the principle. Because I'm not a Abraham is my father and neither is Satan. I got, and I got that. But there's a point here. Those who lie, and when we lie, we reflect the values of the devil and we hurt those who hear them. And it's a big deal. So here Abraham was, tells himself a lie, and he believes it. Heart's deceitful above all things, who can know it? Tells himself a lie. Then he told a lie to other people. Okay, and then here's the most dangerous part, and this is where we struggle. He lived the lie. Told himself, convinced himself, shared it with others, and now he begins to live the lie. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. He pretended to be a brother when really he was a husband. Too many of us don't just believe lies and tell lies. lies. We live them too. I want you to turn to 1 John with me. Close to, close to the end of the Bible there before Revelation. For 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelations so will be just right there. I want us to look at a few passages in 1 John. Lying and deceit and truth were such big themes to John. And in 1 John 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Okay, that's how you know you know God. It's, it's fleshed out in our fruit. We see it. And then he says this in verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, well, he is a liar, and the truth's not in him. So it's not just that we believe a lie in ourselves. It, it, it's, it's not that just we're telling a lie. It becomes a whole other level when we begin to live a lie. And when we're living a lie, if we're not doing His commandments, then we're liars and the truth's not in us. Okay, question. Is God calling for perfection in the Christian life? Like every time I mess up, well, stink, now I'm a liar. Now I don't know the Father. Well, I don't think He's looking for perfection here. So what is He asking for? Well, that we would live in such a way that we demonstrate to other people a person who is constantly growing and advancing in their character and commitment to Jesus Christ and to all that is good, right, and true. That's what he's asking. 
He's not asking us for perfection. He's asking us to have the kind of self-awareness that says, look, I'm working at it and I'm striving for Christ. And I'm not okay being content in my sin or living a lie. That I am working at becoming a better person and I'm never going to give up. Okay, so look at what else John says in the book. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. Okay, so this is the fruit of what you're doing. He says, then we lie and we do not the truth. What's the point? Well, drop the pretense in your Christian life. See, a lot of talk, people talk about Jesus. Like, and, 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 and you hear more and more of that, I guess, in modern culture today because it sounds authentically Christian. Like, let's talk about Jesus. But they don't live for Him. And he's saying, don't pretend to love God. That's living a lie. Don't pretend to just love Him. And that's going to change your actions and your thinking and what you do. Don't have good intentions of fellowshipping with God. Don't keep beating yourself up. That's living a lie. Like, just fellowship with Him. Like, have a, have a relationship with the Lord. Have an ongoing dialogue, one of prayer, meditation, and thoughtful time with Him. There's no formula here that for perfection. It's just, I relate to Him. I have fellowship with Him. I interact with Him. To do that. And if you say you do, but then you don't, well, then you're a liar. Verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Don't keep sinning in your life without practicing repentance and effort at doing right. Otherwise, you're living a lie. So I mess up, and instead of getting my mess up right, I get convicted, I just, I'm just to ignore that. It's not that big a deal. I'm just going to move on. It is a big deal. Like, get back there. Repent of it. Take it back to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up. I need help. If we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. Deal with your sin. Don't be okay with continuing your life without constantly working on your sin and pursuing righteousness. And we all have it. And that takes humility to say, God, I haven't arrived yet and I'm still, I'm still working on these things. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, well, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What's the point? Well, don't pretend like you have it all together. Understand you don't. And that's okay because it makes you honest. Like, Lord, I, I don't have it all together. I don't want any of you to think I have it all together. I'm not going to advertise my sin here, but I want you to know I'm working on it. Have that kind of spirit. Have, have this kind of humility and this kind of attitude. Chapter 2, verse 21. He says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. You know what to do. You know what's right. And that no lies of the truth. When you don't do the good you're no, you know you're supposed to do, you're living a lie. And look, the application here is absolutely endless. Don't go to church each week and not give your money. You know better than that. And you're living a lie. When God says, give me your money, give him his money. When he says it, you do it. Don't make some effort at sharing your faith in light of, don't make light of sharing your faith in light of Jesus Christ within you. To fail to do so is to live a lie. Look, 
What we call outreach here, I get maybe it's not like literally what they did in the New Testament. They didn't have printing presses and cool tracks to pass out. The effort that we're emphasizing is to say, share your faith, like be the light and to fail to be a light, to hide your light under a bushel, to go somewhere and pretend like you're not a Christian. It's a lie. I was talking to this girl one time and Elizabeth and I knew and, and, uh, and, and, and she worked out at a gym and she'd say, you, you wouldn't believe the number of men when they approached me. And she was a, a very attractive young lady. And she'd say, they, she said, when I, I watch them, they'll slip off their wedding rings when they approach me into their pocket and then come talk to me. It's a lie. Well, I, I didn't say I wasn't married, but it's a lie. Just like Abraham and just like the way we hide our faith in our light of Christ. We are different and we're supposed to be different. Don't live a lie. Chapter 4, verse 20. Look there with me. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen. How can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And we struggle with being liars. Don't claim Christ as your Savior and then treat people in your life poorly. That's a lie. And the point isn't, well, then I'm not going to claim Christ. The point is, no, treat people well. Love them. Respect them. Work on the hard feelings that have built up in your heart. Work on the bitterness. Work on the resentment. Work on the forgiveness. Don't act nice. Be nice. Acting is a lie. Be who Christ has called you to be. See, Abraham was the friend of God. But in this moment, he represented God, his friend, so poorly. And here's the challenge tonight. Do better. Don't be duplicitous. Don't hide the truth of Christ in your life. Don't misrepresent the truth of Christ. Don't live a life contrary to the truth of Christ. Make a constant effort at living a true life. There was another close friend that God had, and his name was Peter. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14 with me, and then we'll close. Mark chapter 14. And I want you to look at verse 27 with me. Peter was really close to the Lord too. In fact, he was one of Jesus' three best friends. Included him in everything. Jesus is arrested. He's taken as a prisoner. But before that, he has this conversation with Peter. And his disciples. In verse 27, Mark 14, and Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Now Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus says, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he speaks more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. 
I was studying this today. You know what I wrote in the margin of my Bible this morning? I wrote, that's a Sunday Christian. I'm not going to deny you, Lord. I, we're, we're good. Praise the Lord. Choir sings. I'm all in. I got my nice clothes on. And, 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 and I'm going to do all those the right things. And those are all good and right things. And I'm not in any way diminishing the importance of those things in our lives. But do you want to see a Monday morning Christian? Look at verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, they've arrested Jesus now. For those of you that are going to Israel, you'll literally stand in the place where Peter was, beneath the palace. You'll see where they beat Jesus. And there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand what thou sayest. You ever had that before? When your kids tell them to do something, disobey, and they'll catch you like, now, now what'd you say? I didn't quite hear you. So I said, I, I don't really understand what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew. The maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after they stood by again and said to Peter, surely thou art one of them. You're a Christian? I, I'm pretty sure I saw you pulling into the parking lot at Eastland Baptist Church. I thought I saw you sneak an invitation into the toilet paper dispenser because you were too afraid to hand it to somebody. Surely thou art one of them. Thou art a Galilean. And thy speech agreeth there too. So to prove his point, he begins to curse and to swear. Like, are you kidding me? I know not this man of whom you speak. But then the cock crew. And then he was reminded of Jesus' words. And his lies caused him to weep bitterly. And they always will. Because that's where our lives, lies lead us. To weep bitterly. To make a mess of a situation. And it's all our doing. So which version of a Christian are you? Don't lie with your lips, and don't lie with your life. See, Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly, they are His delight. So that lie may save you at work, in the moment, but you're going to have to pay for it with bondage. And that lie may gain you a little more popularity or likability in the moment. Or that mistruth or that misdirection may, may help you in some position at church or navigate a relational difficulty. But I'm telling you, it's going to lead to weeping, to bondage. And the Lord said the truth sometimes hurts up front and it can sting a little bit. But that's what's going to set you free. That's what's going to bring blessing. But we lie because we don't trust God with our best interests. But He is sovereign, and He has our best interests in mind. And those that deal truly, well, those people are His delight. And those who lie, He says, well, that comes from the father of lies. And so the challenge is this tonight. Live truly. Live in such a way that you demonstrate to other people a person who's constantly growing and advancing in their character, in their commitment 
to Jesus Christ as evidenced by their love for the brethren and their pursuit of that which is good and that which is true and that which is right. And just to use the words of the Proverbs tonight, deal truly. Now that's a worthy goal.